0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at tiaa.org/promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So, do I renew my lease and continue this on and try to manage my time better so I can dedicate some time for my own art?
1: So, how do we find time to make our own art? How do you blend your own creative or expressive practice while simultaneously running a business that seems to consume all of your available? creative bandwidth. Today's listener, Claudia, she's been running a successful paint your pottery studio with her sister, which impressively survived the pandemic and is now even seeing revenues go back up as people yearn to make and gather again. And Claudia loves being part of the community they built around the business. She enjoys teaching pottery to kids and is glad to be finally in a creative field. However, she's also feeling the pull to prioritize her own artistic expression, and finds that while the business is successful and gives her a certain sense of stability, the day-to-day load of the business, it doesn't allow her the time that she wants to just do her own thing, to make her own art, to express her own individuality. And now she's at an interesting moment. The lease is due for renewal for next year. And she's trying to figure out, should she stay? Should she build? Should she go and refocus on her own Spark expression? And on deck with me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters in moments like these. And share insights and ideas. is the founder of the Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier and coaching program for writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, trusted advisor, and coach, Cynthia Morris. And hey, quick note you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. Well, what is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, work, life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, they start to make more sense. And until we know ours, we often feel like we're fumbling in the dark a bit. Just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. And hey, if you'd like us to answer your question in an upcoming episode, you can also find the link to submit your question to the Spark Brain Trust in the show notes below. Now, on to Claudia's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark.
2: Hello,
0: my name is Claudia. I live in Massachusetts. Uh, my primary Spark type is a maker, um, with the uh, secondary as a maven. I do consider myself an artist. I graduated from art school, and in order to provide for my daughter i am a single mother i went into the corporate world as a graphic designer i stayed there for over 15 years and five years ago i could not take the stress anymore my body was breaking down as well as my mental and emotional health so i quit my job thankfully my daughter just graduated college and i did not feel the stress i have to provide for her so I opened a paint your own pottery studio with my sister, um, in our hometown of Stoneham. Um it's been fairly successful, even though we had to obviously survived the pandemic Um, we're starting to see our revenues go back up and unfortunately I'm just trying to figure out if I should renew my lease that is coming up next year or if I should go on my own I love being part of the community I love being in a creative field finally and I love, um, the fact that I'm teaching kids, um, pottery. However, I don't get enough time to work on my own art. And I think that's kind of like really puncturing at my soul. So yeah, it's, my question is a uh, regarding of my next steps. Should I go ahead and renew? I, I, I really love running the business. It's just, I just have to just becomes a huge burden to make the lease pay all the bills uh, pay the kids that help us out run the business so do I renew my lease and continue this on and try to manage my time better so I can dedicate some time for my own art or do I not renew the lease and start trying to figure out how I can both pay for my bills my mortgage and all that well as do my own art and that is my big question at this point in my life I would love your insight thank you
1: We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to
2: hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One.
1: So many places to potentially dive in here, Cynthia Morris. The 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 early part, what she's been through, um, the the decision, like the trade off to say, okay, so I have a value around supporting family or a kid, and I'm gonna do something different to honor that. Then coming back to it, and then her ultimate question here, which is this this tension that so many makers feel between doing their art, making their thing. And also, you know, like supporting themselves in the world. Where do you want to dive in? Do you have sort of like a macro take on this?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, I could just sum it up. Like we all, all the makers, this is the eternal question we have to grapple with. And it's a combination of life energies that we have to sort out. So when she said, do I just manage my time better? I say yes. And I I have to do this all the time. And you do too. Really carving out time for our own work, for our own voice that nobody's waiting for, that's not necessarily paying any bills. It's, it's a magic trick. And I think we all, we all get to do it and figure it out. I think we can share some ways that we do it, um, if that would be helpful.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right, that there's this dance. And I think there's sometimes this perception that there's something wrong with you or there's, or there is this ultimate aspiration and everybody can one day get to this place where all they get to do is show up in their studio and make only the art they want to make what's in their soul, live a fabulously flourishing, successful life, generate all the revenue and the income that they want to do everything they want in the world. And, and we tend to look at like these extreme outliers of people who've actually done that as the example. Well, it's possible for everybody in every circumstance and every life uh, modality and on the one hand, you know, it's inspiring because you say, "Okay, so so maybe you know, my version of this is possible." But on the other hand, I think sometimes we try and meet this aspiration, which becomes it. We end up beating ourselves up because we're not this thing. Well, that maybe actually isn't the right thing for us,
2: right? And we don't know if Claudia wants to monetize her art. She didn't right. mention that. So, and we we also know that when someone does go to monetize their their art and their making, it does change things. It puts a different imperative on it versus just the expression. Now it's something that you want people to buy. So I think that that's a big challenge. And as a maven, so let's just back up and talk about her studio because there were a lot of benefits that I heard really. heard her voice light up when she said she loves being in touch with the community, having a creative role in the community, teaching kids. So that's where her maven really gets its needs met. And so I think sometimes we get so many external rewards from that and not the smallest being paying our bills. I mean, that's real. Um, But the other rewards of seeing kids learn and being in touch with the community, those are big rewards. I would invite Claudia to look at her own creative work. What is she working on? Does she have a specific project? Does she have a specific thing, area that she wants to grow and learn this year and, and look at what are the rewards that she gets from that, from giving time to that. So she starts to feel a bit more sense of balance between the rewards she gets from making and the rewards she gets from mavening. Um, I have other things to share, but I'll stop there to hear what you think about that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a really good thing. And, and, you know, bringing up the fact that she has this business, you know, of course, anything where people gather in a, in a, you know, like a, a parallel play making type of experience was hit really hard over the last few years. But it seems like also as soon as people felt comfortable coming back, people are zooming back into it. Like They're just like, I want to be around others. I want to be co-creating. I want to be around other people who share this same impulse, even if it's just for fun or even if it's just you, know, you can, no matter what the age is. And I think a lot of parents, you know, if part of what she's doing is working with kids, a lot of parents really love the fact that they can have their kids go back to this now. So, um, you know, I I think we've turned a page with that type of business, where um, we're in a moment where a lot of them we're seeing really come come soaring back to life and really flourishing for all the reasons. Um, And right, which is great, and and if it's getting to a place where it's actually you know like sustaining her you know one of my curiosities is, is I, I look at businesses as sort of like going through these three phases and and one i call simple grace the other i call the unfortunate middle um which and i think i have to change the name but um and the other's complex grace and so simple grace is when it's like kind of just like you doing the thing the technician the coder the the maker mm-hmm. the and life is really simple. You're just like doing the thing. You're getting paid for it. You're probably doing okay, you know, but there's this lore of something bigger. So we tend to say, okay, so let me create something bigger, bigger than me that serves more people, that brings other people, maybe supports them into it, that creates a community. And so we, so we start a quote business that is bigger around us. And then we, we work on that. And then we start to realize really quickly that we've added, you know, we have exponentially added the complexity to our days. And for a lot of makers, complexity is the kiss of death to their making process um, because it leads to overwhelm and anxiety. And even if they have the time to make their own things outside of that, the, the psychological burden of that complexity and anxiety just... Is so draining that when it comes time to do your own work, you're just like, I got nothing left. I just want to close my eyes or you know, like go binge some TV, even if I'm not a TV watcher. So we see this with a lot of makers, especially. And the the interesting thing is that a lot of times I think folks come to to believe that this is just business. This is what you say yes to. Rather than saying no, this is actually the middle stage of something. Hmm. The the if you when you're in that stage, you kind of have to make a decision. Do I pull it back to simple grace? Or do I sit here and think, what would it take to keep going forward, to keep building and growing, and to actually develop the systems, the people, the process, where the complexity is still in the business, but you're no longer bearing the burden of it? Right. You know, other people are, other systems, automated processes are, another manager, whoever it may be, so you've actually got this thing running. Helping lots of people, doing great work, you can dip in and dip out to just the things that you want to do. It's generating income for you, but you know you're you've now kind of bought yourself back the time to go and and know that I can now go back to just doing all this wonderful making with a lot more bandwidth and know that this other thing still exists and I have this and it's making an impact and there's this community that I can participate in in the ways that I really just want to. It um it makes me think way back to the days where I owned a yoga studio in Hell's Kitchen, New York. And we started out, we went through this entire cycle and I was in that unfortunate middle for a long time until we pushed through to a point where I eventually sold the company uh, seven years into it. And at that point, I was working about five hours a week. And mm. it was a, a beautiful, a large community. It was a flourishing business. I had uh, somebody else was the general manager, somebody who, funny enough, is still part of our team to this day, like 20 years later, um, just working in a different context. And And I kind of got to cherry pick just the things that I wanted to do and focus on, I was actually spending most of my time writing and working on sort of like the next evolution of my maker life. Yeah. So I think sometimes we we look at, we say yes to building a bigger business, thinking it's going to give us freedom um, or build community. And it, it may build community, but the freedom generally doesn't come until you push through that middle phase and get to complex grace or until you decide, you know what, you don't actually want to keep enduring the work and the sacrifice because it may take years to get there. To get there and to actually say like, you know what, that phase one, Simple Grace was actually pretty sweet and pretty okay. Yeah. And maybe things have changed in a way where, you know, my circumstances would actually make that feel really good to me right now. There's yeah. no judgment either way. But I think having that macro lens was really helpful for me.
2: Yeah, that's great. I love that. To think of it as phases versus it's always going to be like this, you can adjust. In my first thought when I listened to Claudia's experience was, well, because her big question is, should I sign the lease and continue on with this business? We can't answer that. But what are what are the options? Is it to go get a job, start a different business? Anything that Anything else that she would undertake is going to take as much, if not more energy to find a new job or to start a new business. So I would look at the things that cause the most stress in her business now and engineer those so that she doesn't have to do them or they're less stressful or to your point simplify things and i i want to recommend two resources that that have helped me from oddly enough the sparked brain trust members jenny blake's book free time was great she's uh, a so systems good
1: so genius. good <laughs> so
2: good she's a systems genius i read her book i got my my assistant to read it we held a book group meeting around it to strategize and and so when I say Jenny is a systems genius, it's not just about how to set things up. She really starts in a soulful way talking about what do you want and what is the core of your business and more of the energy and the feeling behind it all. That's a super helpful book. And even if you can just take a few ideas from that and operationalize it, that could reduce some of the stress. And then another book that I'm reading right now by Jada Selner is um, She Builds. And I've had a business for 23 years, so I'm not necessarily building in the beginning. But as I think about growing, the things that I'm reading in her book are really helpful. And I think Claudia would benefit a lot from both or either of these books, just in terms of if she does decide to keep the business, how to lower the stress and give herself more, more of, what she, of what she wants. I think a bigger vision of how she wants to spend her time and how she wants to balance the the maker and the maven would be a good, good place to start versus just should I leave or go? Start with what do I want my days to look like? How do I want my making to contribute to my life?
1: Yeah. And I think what, you know, part of the invitation, like you're saying also is, is this really an either or choice or can it be like a yes and, and, and part of that would be doing doing it differently. And then what would that look like? And then reading those two books and learning from them, you know, like speaks to the Maven side of her yep. also because she gets to go right. back into learning mode. It's like, Ooh, juicy new things right. that I can discover and figure out. And then the process of potentially implementing in the business, if she feels like that's the way to move forward, that's a whole nother learning experience too. It's, it's a, actually a blend of learning and making, you know, like, the right. cool thing about the maker Maven combination is that they back so beautifully to each other because yep. the Maven side often looks at the process of making as a mode of learning. And then, and like the the maker benefits greatly from the knowledge that's accumulated from that. So it's it tends to be this really kind of like potentially powerful combination when you can frame it that way.
2: 100%. And the way I think of it too, Jonathan, is that running a business is super creative and there, there's oh, they're, like, she's probably hosting events and doing all kinds of cool things. I know in my business, I'm I'm constantly making up new things and doing new things. And I do believe that even though we like the sense that our creativity is infinite, it, it is finite and our creativity will go wherever we direct it. So she might be directing a lot of it toward the business and needs to siphon some of that off and keep some of it for her own art. I feel like in my experience and what I've seen with the, the people I work with who want to be more creative or want to have more writing in their life, having a project, a specific project, is often the linchpin. It's often the game changer versus I just want to do my art. Once you get something specific, maybe she might have um, a bigger picture for her year, what she wants to learn or a project she wants to work on. That really helps to give energy to making time for that and not having your um, making time all sucked up with work.
1: Yeah. I love that idea of having a project. I've I'm so glad you brought that up also because I've literally just experienced the power of that myself. Um, As I've talked about, I spent five months prepping to be able to take a a month-long creative sabbatical, which was amazing. But then I came back to it, you know, and I, I run two companies and it's like, whoa, whirlwind blur. And I realized very quickly, I was just leaving behind everything that I had started thinking about and doing. And I said, you know, it's going to, and my business, like business is only going to get busier for me for the next 18 months. Um, and more complex and potentially more stressful, but I was literally just thinking, I was like, you know, it's going to take me a while to figure out. How to, how to create the automation systems and processes and what I'm doing that allows me to sustain that creative impulse that really got reignited during the creative sabbatical. But during that, like, I don't want to just wait until no. I figure that out. So no. I said, like, what I'm going to do, I literally just, I took a, a drawing pad and a, a cup full of pencils. I sharpened all the different pencils and put the erasers right there. And I basically said, I I want to do like one illustration, something that was in my mind for a while. And I said, like, I just need to pick up this piece of paper and a pencil for like 10 minutes a day, just as this like daily prime to bring me back to that place. So I felt like I was sort of like, and, and this was my project, just as you described. It's not a really big project, you know, almost done with it, like a week or two later. And then I'll sort of like do the I'll turn the page and that next page will be my next project. And um, so it kind of just, it gives me something discreet to work towards where I can sit down and I know that there's something partially done where I can just kind of pick up where I left off. I know that, you know, I'm going to just keep returning to that while in the background, I'm figuring out like the bigger way to be able to actually do this on a larger scale.
2: Yeah. I listened to your podcast episode where you talked about your sabbatical and you said, and now I'm back at work and I've got all this stuff to do and, I was like, okay. And then you said, I really just need to work on integrating this into my life bit by bit. And I'm like, yes. And that's the reality. Uh, Like, We all love the idea of having a a month or more off or just a step away from our obligations. But more often than not, we have to blend it into our daily lives. And I want to say that, I want to acknowledge that for sure, the challenges of work and our responsibilities are real. And that is a nut we all need to crack. And I also believe that not having time is our, our best fake excuse. And I think it's a fake excuse because I think that's not the real reason we don't do our creative work. I think we do we avoid it because it's scary and it's big and it's important to us. And what if our illustration is terrible? What if we get the drawing pad and for the first 10 weeks of eking something out, it's awful. And we lose our spark for that idea. I think we love the idea of the possibility of it. And the reality of it um, kind of takes a little bit more grit. So for Claudia and anybody listening who's saying, oh, I just don't have time or bandwidth or energy. Ask yourself, "What's what else is underneath there? What might be in the emotional field that's making it easier to avoid and blame, blame your work circumstances. So it's a weird thing to say, and I, I often hesitate to say it because, yes, it's real in a way, but to a large degree, I think it's other things that are keeping us from doing the creative work.
1: Hmm, Interesting. I wonder if sometimes also we lock ourselves into a belief system around time that is based on very real circumstances, like really tremendous constraints, supporting a family during tough times, maybe as a single parent, but then those shift over time, but our assumptions about our own time and availability don't sort of like meet the change in circumstances. And neither of us can say whether this is the case right now, but I've seen that happen in my own life and I've had to re-examine my own assumptions and say like, oh, this actually isn't as true as I think. Yeah. The the one other thing I wanted to circle back on kind of relates to that is this notion of making on the side or like making your art on the side. And I think a lot of us don't do that because the notion of saying, well, if that's just the, like, if this is the persistent model that I need to do, I just, it just feels like it's too much. It's not sustainable. I don't have the energy of the work. But if you're like, what if I just commit to like for the next month or 90 days, like I'm going to do, I'm going to create 10 things on the side. So it's not like this is going to be half, I'm going to have to work even harder or like allocate my energy or split myself, you know, like forever. It's just like, okay, for a month, like for 30 days or yes. for 90 days, there's this discrete amount of time and I'm willing to basically do the work to run the business and like, do whatever I need to do to create these like one piece of work, ten pieces of work, like ten whatever it may be on the side, and then say, okay, how does that feel? Because it becomes counterintuitive that I think once we start to gain a little like burst of momentum with the, our own making on the side, yeah. actually gives us energy. Totally. And it count it serves as a counter to sometimes the stress, the anxiety, the overwhelm, even the burnout that we feel with the core business. And we start to realize that actually either they work better together than we imagined or, you know, there, we actually do have the ability to do both. And then the other thing is if, and you mentioned earlier, um, Claudia didn't share whether she's hoping to actually turn the making yeah. process, her own art into a primary source of income. If that isn't in, in part, like in part of the, like the aspiration here. Then you could then turn around and there's so many ways to, um, take those, offer them out to the world and see if the world is willing to actually compensate you on a level that would make you make it possible without having to walk away from the, the other thing. And that's whether she keeps the business going or whether she decides to get some sort of other, you know, like a uh, main job, whatever it is, you know, like we all have to support ourselves in, in one way or another in the world.
2: I think your point about the external structures is really important, whatever it is, whether it's a 90 day or a 30 day, whether it's a project, people often will take a class or a workshop that helps, I think, to um, put some, put some structure around it. I think too, the reason it's easier to default to our, our day jobs, let's just call it our day job or our businesses is the so hard to pull away from. The world and the world's uh, ways of being. For instance, I think that there's a sort of efficiency imperative with work. We've got to get things done, and we feel rewarded for getting things done. We are rewarded for getting things done and getting things done quickly. And art making is not like that. There's there's. <laughs> It's like the end. I
1: wish I've tried to make it like that so many times. It just right. doesn't work that it's, way.
2: And you and I both have been writing for decades, and we still know that it's at least four drafts for something. And it's not because we're not good writers, it's because it's a craft. It just takes time. And so, pulling away from the need to be efficient or see results or feel progress is a really important part that will help people to feel like they're not doing it wrong or wasting time. And that's why I think those daily projects, or I recently did National Novel Writing Month. I drafted uh, 52,000 words for a novel. I was so clinging to the word count every day, like 1,400 words, 2,200 words. Like those little markers of progress meant a lot to me, it really kept me going. And I want to say one more thing about the, that focus that I had that month. The reason I'm a coach for creative people is not because I'm so determined for people to get their ideas out. It's because who we are when we're making things is much more a reflection of who we are meant to be. Mm. During that month when I was writing that novel, it wasn't easy. I wouldn't say it was fun, but I felt alive. I felt joyful. I felt on purpose. It was like a complete bath of Yesness for me. And I bet you felt the same during yeah. your sabbatical, where you're like, "This is who I am. I'm reading novels. I'm reading stuff. I'm writing. i'm it's just so it's hard to describe, but that sense of being who you are, and that's what the whole point of the sparkotypes is, right? Yeah,
1: one hundred percent, like you're describing that state of being sparked. um yep, and it's not always fun <laughs> and
2: it's and I think that's important because I think that might be a common misbelief that when we're doing our creative work, we should be feeling. Like, I don't know, like this idea that it's fun, because I was like, can I say I'm having fun? No, this is really hard, especially the last day when I had to write the difficult scenes and feel the emotions. But the the sense of integrity and the sense of engagement, that's what I want. I want to feel engaged in my work and my creative projects. I want that for others, um, but I want others to know what do they want to feel. And how do they get that through through their sparkotype, through blending the the maker, the maven? I think Claudia can find that. I, I think spending a little time visioning what she wants for her life, getting some clarity about what she wants to make now and looking at how she can devote herself to that. And I think then it makes it easier for some of the things like scheduling and and systematizing things once you have a clear vision for what you want to make i bet that that was the case for you with your sabbatical you had a really clear sense of what you wanted to write and why
1: yeah and even then it it took a lot of left and right turns (laughs) it it told me along the way what it needed to be um as much as i planned um, as as it always does which is why making is not a linear process it feels like a good place for us to wrap up. And also I just want to acknowledge the fact that Claudia seems like, you know, as she described, she's also in this moment where her sense of financial obligation has shifted dramatically. Yeah. So there's a broader reimagining is happening here and I'm excited for her. I look at this and I, and I'm like, this may sound like it's a lot of complexity and there's some stress going on right now, but there's also, there's a lot of possibility on the table. You know, there's so much possibility and I'm like, yeah, this is a matter of what do I say yes to, which is an amazing place to be in.
2: I think it's more a matter of tweaking some of the dials than turning into a whole new thing. But yeah. She, she knows. I think Claudia knows, just has a felt sense of whether it's right to keep going with the studio or um, whether it's time to try something new. But if she does try something new, I would say watch out for all of her creative energy going into that versus into her art.
1: Mm. Awesome place to end. Thank you, as always, Cynthia Morris, Claudia. We're excited. Stay in touch. Let us know how everything goes. And for everybody else, it's always great to share time and ideas with you. And we will see you next week here on the Spark Podcast. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life. Take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark.